Hey guys, welcome to Rankin' Vile, the podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever, and this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How you doing? So, I am reaching a crisis of identity. Okay. Because I've always prided myself since college in being a no-frills... Uh, coffee drinker. Yeah, just brass tacks. Gas station coffee. Like, I drink my coffee black. I get it anywhere. And my whole thing is like a, a, a man of the people. You know, <laughs> you can drink Greasy Spoon coffee. You can go to a Firestone tire and get a cup out of the free pitcher that has been sitting there all day. I look forward to the Jiffy Lube experience so right. I can get that free cup of shit coffee. You're like the Bruce Springsteen of shitty coffee. Like you're you're yeah, you're working yeah. class, you know, you're you're uh yeah, nothing fancy, no frills. But my favorite coffee company, uh community coffee, sent me a bag of what they call their private reserve coffee. Oh, shit. Which to be fair, it's like Colombian coffee. It gives you the like specific city that it's from. And it's, again, the best coffee from my favorite coffee company. And it's really fucking good. But I'm in a crisis because I finished the bag today. And it's so fancy, they don't sell it at my local grocery store. So now I'm at a point where like I might order coffee off the internet. Yeah, I honestly, um, the thing that I've realized about shitty coffee, I, um, so when I worked at Starbucks, uh, we had to do a thing called a coffee passport, which is, um, you had a giant, uh, booklet full of, like, different blends, and ideally, what they wanted you to do when you worked there was to sample every single coffee they, they had on offer at the time, so it was like, oh, okay, so try Sumatra, and then write down in your thing, it's like, uh, it tasted earthy and unpredictable, um, and... The problem is that I, I have the least refined palate of anyone I know, and so all I could write for every single one was like, mmm, tastes like beans, tastes like coffee, tastes like coffee beans, tastes like somebody... Tastes like coffee! <laughs> yeah, it tastes like somebody good. Stra strained hot water through a filter covered in bean shards. Um, all of your notes are S apostrophe good. <laughs> yeah, just, just good. I like coffee. It tastes like coffee. Um, so you, uh, so you would say that you're a fan of the, um, the private reserve from Community Coffee. Yeah, and, and, um, I'm also a big fan of the Chicory Coffee, but, like, the private reserve is on up there. It is. Even Emily was like, you've spoiled me because now we've got the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's, so wait, so you also, um, you brought Death Wish Coffee to your place of work. That's correct. So, um... In response to us reviewing Death Wish, I reached out to Community Coffee, and they they were kind enough to provide me Private Reserve, which is significantly better than mm -hmm. Death Wish. Mm -hmm. But because I still had that bag from our review, I took it to work, and my coworkers not only drank it, but said, it's pretty good, and then <laughs> didn't blink. And I'm shook because... How? Like Holy I learned shit. something very. <laughs> yeah, you've you've they, they they you know there there has to be like a caffeine version of like when someone's like a like a really hard drinker and they're able to like throw them back and not really you know worry about vomiting, um, where you're able to just drink Death Wish coffee as like a fun thing to do. Yeah, yeah, and work. and my coworker actually said, if you like that, try this and. She had um, a Keurig. A, what is the generic for Keurig cup? Like K cup, or is Ooh. it like pot? Or well, in, in fairness, what is it called? In fairness, right now we're we're doing a thing called a <coughs> podcast, which is also a trademark thing that Apple does, which is also weird to name an entire uh, audio medium after the one brand that you can call it. I think it's like Kleenex. Like mm -hmm. there is a there's a price to pay for. Right, or like Band-Aid Band -Aid is also a brand name. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, Five Finger Death Punch makes coffee? <laughs> to clarify, you are talking about the new metal band Five Finger Death Punch. Yes. Excellent. Five Finger Death Punch has partnered with Black Rifle Coffee Company, and they have their own blend of coffee that is like <laughs> Death Wish, is comparably caffeinated to Death Wish, 
but tastes better. Ooh, all right. See, this is this it's I could get very down. Very good. On. Yeah. See, this I could get down on because it's um. I do want the most caffeine in the world. That is how much caffeine I want. But also, I don't want to feel like I'm deep throating a bottle of motor oil like I felt when I drank Death Wish. Yeah, uh, Death Punch is a lot smoother in taste, but it's also Five Finger Death Punch coffee. <laughs> right. The the problem is that now. All right. Uh, I think the worst. Okay, and my coworker also um, Black Rifle. Uh, coffee mm-hmm. also makes coffee mugs with the five finger death punch logo <laughs> on it so she was drinking oh. death punch coffee in a five finger death punch <laughs> mug <laughs> which just says i really like this holy band. shit that's honestly <clears throat> if i if i saw somebody drinking five finger death punch branded coffee out of a five finger death punch mug I would respect that so much. That's like they they don't they don't care what I think about them or what anyone thinks about them. So this has got me thinking. What are some other opportunities for us to brand mm. coffee? Uh, so like, let's start our own coffee roasting company and let's partner with some other like because Five Finger Death Punch fans are a certain type of person. They certainly are. Much like how Deadpool fans are a certain type of person, or like, yeah, I don't know, Antonio Inoki fans are a certain type of person. Yeah, it attracts like, a certain crowd. Who can crowd. we market coffee to? I feel like the 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 target demo for uh, rank and vile branded coffee, um, which already it's not gonna work because the brand would be rank and vile coffee right i well and also by the way hey, don't drink that coffee yeah, don't drink that coffee because it's rank and vile coffee um i feel like the the target demo for any coffee that were that, that would be associated with the kind of bullshit we pull would be probably deathmatch wrestlers who really like iron and wine or bell and sebastian so, <laughs> it's like so G Raver. Yeah, so so yeah, yeah, G Raver, yeah. let's get in business together and make some some yeah, coffee. Yeah, it's literally if you're driving to the deathmatch wrestling show, but also you want to like listen to some uh, Bell and Sebastian. Like uh, if you're feeling sinister on the way to the thing, where you're like you're mellow and you have a lot of feelings, but also you really want to watch somebody get busted open with a light tube. That that I think is the person who would drink our coffee. Oh, one more thing. Black Rifle Coffee Company, their pods are called Coffee Rounds. And they come in, like, little ammo boxes. Coffee Rounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, because when I saw that, I was like, oh, because I... Yeah, sure, I guess K-Cups are, are round, you know? They're kind of... No, 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 no. It's like rounds like... No, a, no, like... Like it's a GERD. Ammunition round. Like GERD. Like, this is... It's called Black Rifle Coffee. Like, more more coffee yeah, named after... Yeah, yeah. Their logo is an AR-15. <laughs> Because of course it is. God, God fucking bless. So the um, the but they go- make really good coffee. <laughs> Which I that's that's kind of my so, thing. You know who else makes coffee, by the way? David Lynch has David Lynch branded coffee that they, they I think sell at Whole Foods. Um, I'm gonna have to drive an hour to the Whole Foods because <laughs> I need that experience. Yeah, and even even his like I just. Like, David Lynch's own endorsement for the coffee is like, yeah, it's really good. If you like drinking black coffee, you should drink David Lynch coffee. And it's like, <laughs> sold, motherfucker! Like, that, yeah, you, 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 you silver-tongued devil, you've, you've talked me into drinking your coffee, David Lynch. Well, I found our first bonus content <laughs> episode. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's, it's just us sampling coffee. Um, so what ghoul shit have you been up to this week? What have you been, what, have, what, what media have you been consuming or reading or watching? So it's not out and out ghoul shit, but Kate Leth's uh, comic strip Simpo Friends has an Instagram page now. Oh, hell yeah. Um, have you been reading Simpo Friends? No, no, but I, I'm a big fan of Kate Leth's Twitter. I've been meaning to read Simpo Friends. It is The Simpsons, but in a very postmodern mm-hmm. Twitter sensibility. So right. Marge is suicidal and wants to escape the crushing pressure of being a mother. Right. And um, there's, you know, comment on the proletariat. And it's basically, as a Simpsons kid who watched Simpsons on UPN at 5 p.m. every night of the week for five years... <laughs> It's a little weird, but I'm also 
ready to make fun of The Simpsons now. Oh, absolutely. Well, also because The Simpsons, I feel like at this point, I mean, you'll notice that nobody really asks anybody else if they like The Simpsons because it's kind of not on you to offer an opinion about The Simpsons because it's The Simpsons. Like, everyone likes The Simpsons. Even, like, I, I, I think I've met exactly, like, one person in my life who was like, yeah, The Simpsons was never funny and it was never good and it was always bad. Was that because they were in one of those houses that couldn't watch it because of mm. um, of religion? See, that's that's the thing. Is like when I was a kid, I also was not allowed to watch uh, The Simpsons because I quoted it. Because uh, uh, you know, I had a, a single mom who was very very Christian, and she um, I, I quoted it at dinner one time when I was supposed to like you know we because we would say grace, and one time I watched The Simpsons as, as a kid, and then before praying, said, Dear God, why should we thank you? We bought this food. And my mom was just immediately like, Where did you hear that? And I was like, yeah, The Simpsons? So I was not fucking allowed to watch The Simpsons. And um, I would actually, because my mom got home every night at 6 o'clock, because uh, I, you know, latchkey kid. And so The Simpsons came on Fox at 5.30 every, every weeknight. So... You know, my brother and I are both on, like, lookout details so we can watch The Simpsons before my mom gets home, and we had to, like, switch the channel really quickly before she walked in the door, and yeah, so it was, I don't know, I feel like no one, I've not really heard a lot of people say I don't like The Simpsons, at least between seasons, like, two and nine. Yeah, those are, like, incomparably good. Mm Mm-hmm. So, what have you been up to this week? Oh, man. I uh, was in San Jose for Worldcon, which was just a fucking delight. I, I, because I'm kind of getting into the, the, the sci-fi and fantasy scene a little more, because I've been doing some, like, slush reading for um, a couple of places, and it's been, it's, you know, it's been really good, and I, I kind of figured, like, well, what if I went to Worldcon and just kind of wandered around and drank and, like, supported, um... A friend of the friend of the podcast, Sarah Gailey, uh, as they won, by the way, their first fucking Hugo Award. So fucking congratulations! Yeah, that's to Sarah. dope. Congratulations, Sarah. And then the, the goal shit that I was reading uh, at uh, Worldcon, I've been slowly making my way back through um, the Nightmare Magazine podcast. Which, by the way, the intro to it—if you have not heard it. Uh, download an episode and listen to that intro because it starts out with like thunder. Cl- like think of the uh, you remember the Are You Afraid of the Dark intro? Um, oh, uh, very much because it's burned into my nightmare screen. <laughs> yeah, where you're like, oh no, there's a boat with no one in it and a clown. I gotta ship. go. Oh no. That was a run to the bedroom and hope the remote. Uh, signal is strong enough to change the channel while you're escaping. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and w- which, which is amazing because it's like, oh no, shutters clanking against a window in a storm, and su- a swing set with swings moving. And as a kid, like this was just like panchingly scary. Um, and so Nightmare Podcast starts with this kind of audio thing of like thunderclap, creepy guitar, and then a dude, honest to God, comes on and goes nightmare. <laughs> And it's the goofiest <laughs> fucking shit I have ever heard. And it immediately makes me think of, I don't know if you ever saw um, that, that clip from the late 80s that was like a creep phone, where it was like a 900 number, where it's like, creep phone, real, real ghosts and goblins. I don't know why it sounded like Strong Bad. And it's like, I Man, I would, I would, I'd fuck with some Jareth level trickery to get to relive a 90s 900 oh, number. Oh, for sure. I, my favorite part about the commercial is that the guy goes, make sure I'd your fuck parents with that know you I'd fuck with that Goblin King and try to get my baby back. <laughs> holy shit, let's dive into uh, uh, the first, holy shit, so the first movie we're doing uh, on, on this week's episode. Um, so, uh, Quincy, could you give us a little bit of background on The Sect, a.k.a. Demons 4? The Sect is a Dario Argento production. It is Demons 4, but like a lot of Italian horror movies, it is a sequel in name only. Mm -hmm. It's because Dario Argento produced Demons, uh, Michelle Soavi was in Demons as the guy with the weird half-metal face. Um, He worked on Demons 2, 
Demons 3 was his movie, The Church, which is, all of these are Argento productions. Mm -hmm. So then, because they just keep working together, they just called this one the same. But also, Soavi directed Aliens 2, which is literally the Italian unofficial sequel to Alien. Mm -hmm. Like Ridley Scott Alien. Right. So And also, you know, it, Italy has brought us Terminator 2, a.k.a. Shocking Dark, and um, Evil Dead 3 and 4 and 5, the La Casa movies. Mm-hmm. I think um, Cemetery Man is technically a Demons sequel. Okay. So... By, uh, by name. And, right. like, Trolls 2... Troll 2 is the famous one, mm-hmm. but Troll 3 uses the masks from Troll 2, so it's called oh. Troll 3, even <laughs> though it's a fantasy movie, and it's actually one of the Ator the Fighting Eagle sequels. So hell yeah. Anyway, which by the way, um, I'm I'm gonna say a thing to see if it's true. Uh, Michael Suave is the puff daddy to Dario Argento's notorious B.I.G. Yes, he is there in support, mm-hmm. but never reaches the height of the true genius. Yeah, he's the guy on the track going yeah, and that's that's basically just Michael Suave. Only he's also a director, and he does the director version of going yeah, what, um. And this movie, uh, yeah, it has nothing... So we, we, we previously did Demons on the podcast and just fucking adored it. Yeah, this has nothing to do with Demons <laughs> at all. Not a goddamn thing. And this is apparently a thing... I mean, there are devils in it. There's demon shit, but it is not like Metal Mask turns you into a demon. Oh, sure. And really... But there I, is a desk mask that strangles people. <laughs> which which I feel like is important for this. And, and also because uh, in Italian horror... This is a huge thing that you just get these, like, unauthorized sort of sequels that get a name tacked onto it because... And again, Troll 2, I love that, you know, Claudio Fergasso, like, the director, will not cop to the fact that when he gets asked, like, so wait a minute, why is your movie called Troll if it's goblins? And he's just like, you don't understand nothing. Um, And honestly, okay, so so Suavi, how did... So he got into horror because when he was goddamn 12 years old, he saw the movie The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Yeah, he saw Bird. He snuck in to see Bird with the Crystal Plumage. This Blu-ray that we got from Scorpion releasing to mm-hmm. uh, review for this has an interview with him, and he literally says, "I put lifts in my shoes so the ticket taker would think I was older, and I watched Bird with the Crystal Plumage as a twelve-year-old." Which, it's not every 12-year-old who sneaks in to see a fucking Jalo film, and I feel like there were two ways this could have gone. I feel like this is either a serial killer backstory, or it's... And anyway, that's how I ended up working with Dario Argento. Yeah, so, so do you think that he realizes that it's not normal to see a movie by your favorite director and then jump into <laughs> filmmaking and through being assistant director get to just work with them all the time yeah like you're, you're my guy you're the anomaly here like most it's kind of like rennie harlan that like i that his uh, experience of becoming um a major hollywood director is like everybody's dad's idea of how job hunting works where it's like yeah, this big fucking Finnish guy who looked like a, an unwashed golden retriever loitered aggressively outside the New Line office, and we figured we'd let him direct Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4. Um, and it, this is basically that, where it's like, oh, he just happened to sneak in and see this movie, fall in love with it, and then get to go be the puff daddy to Dario Argento's uh, Biggie. Yeah, so this Blu-ray is pretty good. So Scorpion Releasing put out this new transfer. It is a 2K transfer, of the original mm-hmm. um, negatives, and there's like, let me see. Looks the box good. says, "Okay, gonna have to vamp." All right, mm-hmm. let me take that from the top. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, so this new Scorpion um, releasing Blu-ray is a new 2K scan of the original negatives, and it says they spent over 45 hours co- doing color correction on it. Holy shit! On this. Yeah. On this. They spent that much time on the sect? 
Which makes me feel bad because I was watching it and initially said, this isn't a very good transfer, it looks like shit. And then I realized, one, no archivist is trying to preserve the negatives of the sex. The sex. And two, they spent that much time. So imagine how bad it was that after 45 hours, it looks like this. Hachi machi. That is that is dire straits, Mike. Like, like, like that's... Um, Honestly, learning that makes me want to be a lot more gracious toward the movie The Sect. Um, because here's the thing. This movie fucking sucks. Yeah, it, but it, but it's plot that sucks. Like, it yeah. looks great. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, my, my beef with this. And really, uh, so I'm a bit... I, I mean, obviously, on this podcast, we are, uh, I would say, uh, big fans of Jalo films. Um I yes. really, really like Jalo, and I really like that aesthetic. I, I have no problem with, um, uh, you know, if it, if it looks like it was filmed with a greasy Philly cheesesteak wrapper over the pancake lens, then, like, great. That's largely what I want from a Jalo film. Um, but, yeah, the plot of the... How, all right, all right, all right. How would you describe the plot of uh, the sect, a.k.a. Demons 4? Oh, man. So, so the movie starts in... California in the desert in 1970, which is not Italy in the mountains, which is, it's, it's Italy in the mountains. No, and uh, like, no, this is California. Although also, I love and that, you, and, and I love that because it uh, takes place in California in 1970, it's like this, uh, uh, this gaggle of fucking hippies are hanging out in the desert, and then in the background, all you can hear is like, I've been through the desert on a horse with no name, and it's just... The wor- it's I I feel like they had that song on a like just the chorus on a loop for like three minutes in this movie. Yeah, and then uh, Tomas Arana, which is his actual name, fucking great name, walks out of the desert looking like Charles Manson Jesus to <laughs> the to a score of a horse with no name, and says, "Hey, can I stay in your hippie commune?" And these hippies who are painting butterflies on titties and dancing in the desert <laughs> right. say, of course you can. Why, sure. And then he just murders them all. Yeah, yeah, he, he murders the shit out of them. Um, and so then it goes, oh, fuck. Th- all right, this movie doesn't have much in the way of a plot. So, so okay, so Manson, uh, the Manson analog murders this family and the important part here is he cuts off a dude's face. Marl's, like, Marl's Chanson. Yes, Marl's Chanson. Cuts off this dude's face, like whole-ass face, holds it up, <laughs> and throws it in the fire. Shit, yeah, he does. And then he goes to, like, a limousine, and the window rolls down, and he says, the job is done, and we flash forward to the present day of 1991. Yeah, which, by the way, side note... Um, on next week's episode, possibly, we might be doing uh, the, 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 the fourth Texas Chainsaw movie. And so, by the way, you mentioning, um, like, sort of killing a bunch of people and then walking back to a limousine and going, it's done. Uh, stay tuned. I'm so fucking excited for you to watch uh, Texas Chainsaw The Next Generation. <laughs> oh, my. We'll see. Oh, my God. So, so, in present day, there's a dude who's, like, he's played by Herbert Lom, and I don't know what his deal is. He's just, like, a cult or something. <laughs> he yeah. fucks with that devil shit. <coughs> yeah, he's, and he's, he's on a some bus, stuff. and he's like, I gotta get off the bus because I got this package, and he almost gets hit by Kelly Curtis, who is Jamie Lee Curtis's stepsister. And then, because... Women in these move in this type of movie are too worried about being impolite to um, not get murdered. She says, "Why don't you come live with me, weird stranger that I almost hit with my car?" <laughs> yeah, uh, and then after that, it which is totally the plot of that Masters of Horror episode that Argento directed. Oh shit! That is basically just that episode of Masters of Horror. Yeah, shit. is creepy girl. Uh, gets invited to stay with unsuspecting wasp family. <laughs> right. And then at this point, um, there's a bug <clears throat> that starts yeah. hanging out. 
He puts a bug up her nose while she's sleeping, and it makes her trip balls. You know what they say, you know, never go to bed with a hippie, bugs up your nose. Yeah, so she keeps having dreams that a, a stork or some kind of crane or something is eating and fucking her. Right, because immediately, uh, you know, you're, you're thinking, oh, is this like a pregnancy metaphor because the stork? And then you realize, like, we might be giving the sect too much credit. Yeah, because then, here's the problem. It's just unrelated imagery. Yeah, yeah. Um, and full disclosure, I fell asleep for a good ten minutes because I've had a long <laughs> week at work. Uh-huh. And I woke up and read the Wikipedia to catch up on where I lost, and I missed, like, the, the gap in paragraphs was the full time I was asleep. Oh, man. And- so, like, nothing happened. Oh, and Kelly Lee's character... Or, I'm sorry, Kelly Curtis, not Kelly Lee, because that would be too much oh, right. uh, to have the same middle name. <laughs> right. Jamie Lee's like, look, you can have my last name, but you cannot have Lee. Exactly. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Leave my, yeah, that's my intellectual property. Lee and my yogurt. <laughs> Leave those to me. Man, um, poor Kelly Curtis. I bet she is stove up with oh, the Man. Just cannot shit regularly. No, no, at any point. Um, and so at this point uh, in, in, in the movie... Um, oh god, what, there's a bunch of weird Satan shit just well, ha- happening Kelly all over Lee, the place? Well, uh, Kelly Lee, damn it, I want to call her that. So, Kelly Lee <laughs> wants to, finds out that her house is over a sewer, which is used for devil shit. Right. And... So there's a, like, a demon sect. That's where the title comes in, as they keep saying it's a sect of demonism. So, here's, here's my question also with Dario Argento and then largely Italian horror. I don't... Okay, so when you're engaging with American slasher movies from the 80s, you kind of know what place that's coming from, because you're like, oh, repression and suburban white flight anxiety and Protestant work ethic and slut-shaming, and you can kind of figure out where all of that stuff comes from culturally, and you know why it takes the form it does. Giallo, and also just Italian horror generally, has a weird boner for Satan, specifically like they're really into satan and the occult and and just generally some devil shit and i'm wondering do you think that's like roman like the influence of roman catholicism or what well you know i i can't remember the year of vatican ii but vatican ii fucks a lot of shit up i want to say vatican ii was 1960 something yeah so the pope is like you know we can be normal people and like a lot of this is kind of hippy dippy hoopla mm-hmm. and a lot of really fervent catholics go the devil is real and you saying that makes him have more power like if you've ever seen the hostage to the devil documentary which fucks me up because have not seen it, it. i don't believe that but maybe because <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the whole movie's about you know, the whole movie is this guy saying because people don't believe in the devil, he has a lot of real power and possesses people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they basically said that that's why we see this big explosion in exorcism talk and real exorcisms and all that is because, you know, uh, our moral turpitude uh, ushered in by Vatican II. So maybe that was a fucking great maybe breakdown. It has something to do with this? Maybe. You know, I, I watch things. Yeah, sure, sure, you watch things. I Yeah, 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 just this idea that, like, um, the old scary stuff, still scary, and actually, yeah, your attempts to, um, like, listen, uh, the devil doesn't care if you, if the Catholic Church eats fucking Froyo now. Fuck your Froyo. Satan is still here. Yeah, so Kelly Curtis in this movie, every friend of hers gets murdered by this Satan cult. Yeah, and it's sort of... Every goddamn friend. And I feel like it's left sort of ambiguous who's doing the murdering with this cult. Yeah, it's like, is it, you know, Herbert Lom? Is it, you know, Darles Manson? (laughs) Who is it? Yeah, is it Marles Manson? Which, by the way, Herbert Lom... That is... That's his real name. That Yeah, that is a hell of a name, by the way. I feel like with a name like that, you can only act in horror movies. Yeah. Oh, Her- I'm Herbert, sorry. Herbert his Lom's name not is Dr. Doing... Mobius in the movie, Doctor... which is the most extra. Oh, Dr. Mobius. Honestly, changing my first name to Dr. Last name Mobius. I will be Dr. Mobius. Um, yeah, with a name like Herbert Long. Herbert Lom's not doing rom-coms. Herbert Lom acts in, in, in yeah. Jala films. 
Um, he and, is typecast. And, oh my god. So the best scene in this movie is when Darl's Hansen puts <laughs> those hell, Hellraiser hooks in that woman's face oh. and peels her entire face off. Her whole ass face gets peeled off. It is... It is... it Honestly, the effects on that, best part of the movie. Yeah. Second bet, second only to that bird puppet that eats <laughs> Kelly Curtis in that dream, and then worms come out of her neck wound. Hell yeah. I Honestly, I appreciate it. And the then level... she wakes up and a goddamn worm falls out of her ear. Oh, man. Man, it's good. Man, honestly, I think that's what... All right, so this, this movie may be bad in terms of, you know, plotting and writing and characterization and stuff, but as a horror movie that responds to specific things that squick me right the shit out... It is, it is just great. Okay, this movie is the American horror story of Italian movies. Oh. It's just visuals. Oh, man. That's it, it is throw the spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks. See what sticks, yeah. Oh, fuck, you're Who totally cares? right. Let's just do stuff that looks good. Yeah, and it, it's that, and it's also uh, like when you would go to a Halloween party as a kid, and they're like, put your hand on this popcorn bowl full of human eyeballs, and it's like peeled grapes and... It's just like a buffet of upsetting images, which also, uh, Hellraiser 2, big fan, and it is also just like, and here's a baby sewing its own mouth shut. What do you think of that shit? And then just like jetpacking out. Um, and I'm, I'm, yeah, that's I'm here this for whole it. movie is just, isn't this crazy? Isn't this crazy? <laughs> and there's many points where I said, what is the plot? And I still cannot tell you. <laughs> because it also has an ambiguous ending. As oh, if yeah. it was any worse for all these random scenes it doesn't tell you what to think of all this random imagery it's like maybe she laid an egg yeah and then it jumps out a window and flies away which i'm also kind of here for for just like this wild garbage movie that is not even remotely interested in telling me what the fuck i've just spent the last hour and a half of my life watching I wonder if it is the death knell of Italian cinema, because it came out in 91, and maybe it's so obvious saying, we are out of ideas. Fulci took them all. Yeah, Fulci, alright, so so Deathmatch, who do you like more, Fulci or Argento? Okay, so so if we look at our list, Argento is higher, because he's a better filmmaker, <laughs> but sure. Fulci has better image, well... Not better imagery, but <laughs> it has a it has a soul. Not even that, because I mean, cat with the cat in the brain doesn't have a soul. It's just like upsetting. It's something about those effects, like yeah. I think you're onto something. I think it's that Argento is the kind of guy that would spend an hour picking the right lampshade at Lowe's <laughs> and Argento buys a and and Fulci buys a work light and an extension cord and just hang something up. God, that's a that's a fucking great way to put it. Like yeah, Argento he's fussy. It takes forever for him to make the point he's and he's picking out Edison bulbs and trying to pick the right sconces and Fulci's like, hey, these 98-cent incandescent bulbs will do just fine. And you're like, Fulci, you're going to save your money if you go with LED. Lucio, like, what are you nah, doing? I'm fine. We'll do it this way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's like that kid in uh, uh, shop class in high school that's just like, all right, I'm making an ashtray. Just like make a bowl with like three grooves in the middle and call it an ashtray. Good enough. Um, so goddamn, where... Okay, so where do we put this on the list? Okay, so Soavi was assistant director to on Demons. Uh-huh. So is this movie better than Demons? Absolutely it is not better than Demons. I will I will be god You can probably hear the humor in my no, voice when I said I, I know, so here's the thing. You said that and then uh you it, this was like a Gorilla Monsoon Bobby Heenan moment where you were like making a laugh joke and I'm just like, he did not and I'm just like getting upset. We're like, no, you, I'll have you thrown out of here. How dare you ask me if this is better than Demons? Okay, so The Beyond is number 87. Uh -huh. It is in no way better. Because The Beyond does the same thing. Yeah. It's literally Upsetting. a devil cult is under my home. <laughs> it's why the same we, thing. Why did we build this house on the evil devil cult? 
Like, that was, in retrospect, yeah. a, ter- a terrible idea. Um, I... Well, I mean, to be hmm. fair, also Europe is just... Maybe that's what it's trying to say, is Europe is built on oh. paganism and devil cults, and we can't cover it over and forget it. We have to reconcile So the it. entire the entirety of Europe is, like, the plot of land from Poltergeist? Yeah, And yeah. Charlemagne was the real estate agent who doomed us all. Um, yeah. I... Okay, so I think the Beyond is probably better than the Sect. Yeah, I, I think that's safe at least to because say. It, yeah, at, at least because I feel like uh, a it is just like our, we why did we build this house on Satan? But also, I feel like the ending of the Beyond is one of my favorite weird endings to a Jalo oh, film. Oh yeah, it's very good. Oh, okay. I, I think about so, it all the time. Here. We're getting buck wild now. Okay, all right. Is Hellraiser 2 better than The Sect? Oh, shit. Is? Oh, fuck. And Hellraiser 2... Speaking of, what do you think of this craziness? (laughs) Oh, oh, I've got it. Scroll down. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. I'm I'm already going to tell you it's not as good as that. Uh Uh-huh. What is a better random visuals on the screen? House of a Thousand Corpses or The Sect? Oh, fuck. Ah, oh, fuck. Sherry Moon's ass crack, or <laughs> Up against... a bird eating yeah. <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis's sister's neck. Holy shit. I, hmm. I'm tempted to say that House of a Thousand Corpses is better? I think you're right what? about that. Hmm. Mostly because I feel like, uh, A, it's got, um... The soundtrack is... I, I Actually, I don't hate the House of a Thousand Corpses soundtrack, but also, I think... I have a soft spot, honestly, for House of a Thousand Corpses being a movie that I rented when I was a, a, a young teenager and was weirdly obsessed with because it felt so fucking, like, forbidden and evil, and it was like... It gave me a deep-down unholy feeling to, like, watch people in bunny costumes running across a field from people with knives. Um... And, you know, listen, when you're 15, there, there's just nothing better. Where I feel like if I had seen The Sect at, like, 15, I probably would have been inter- intermittently bored and excited about the, the effects. Is Ooh. The Sect oh, it's also... better than... I think, I think I know where my floor is for The Sect. Uh, it is not... It, it, is, it is better than Devil Times 5, but I... Um, I... Hmm. Okay, let me stop you right there. Okay. Because Devil Times 5 is above Body Melt. Ooh, all right. Well, Body Melt also has no real plot to speak of. Yeah, but so so the question is, what kind of shenanigans are you into? <laughs> right. And for me, I got to go with Body Horror. Yeah. Ooh, okay. I think, like, right below Body Melt and right above this... Yeah, Halloween contest. <laughs> it yeah. was weird. Like <laughs> someone found this first annual Monster Makers Halloween contest. Like it's a personal tape, and someone marketed it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It doesn't look like we should see it. No, this looks like it was internal material, not meant to be seen by by people. However, also it is definitely better than Vampire in Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think right between. The first annual Monster Makers Halloween contest and Body Melt at number one ninety three is the sack. Oh, I feel really good about that. Yeah, thank you, Scorpion releasing. We really appreciate you sending us um, a physical copy of that movie to watch. Yeah, real. Thank you so much. A time. So the next movie uh, we're going to be talking about. uh, Speaking of who, see what I did there? Is going to be nineteen eighty seven's Stage Fright, uh, which was also I don't think it was the same director, uh, Michael uh, Michael Suave. I believe this was prior to Argento being involved, which might be why it's a better movie. You know what? Yeah, that checks out. Um, this movie, honestly, this is... the sect rules. I, or no, not the sect. Excuse me. Stage fright fucking rules. This movie is so good. Yeah, it's very, very good. Also, um, I believe this was Soavi's first movie as director. He did a lot of um, assistant director before this, but I think this is the first one that was just his. Oh, so this was the the first entry in his uh, oeuvre uh, as, as, you know, director. Yeah. So, I think I identify with this movie so much because I was a theater nerd in high school. Uh Uh-huh. Well, and it is the most 
oh my theater God. that you could possibly be in a movie. It's so much. Like, everybody who dies in this movie is the most extra. Like, all right, so the plot of the movie is that it, obviously, as you might have guessed for a movie called Stage Fright, it takes place during uh, a stage production of certainly a show of some kind. Um, it starts out, and it's like, uh, think of, like, Streets of Fire as adapted for the stage, but also there's, like, a weird murderer in an owl mask, and... And a woman playing the saxophone. Oh, my God. Dude, dude, by the way, this movie, the end, first of all, it doesn't end so much as just kind of stop at one point. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and the last image you get is that saxophone lady for no fucking reason, and I was, <laughs> I was so happy. Which makes it so good. I'm Quincy, I was so happy. I rewound it like screaming with laughter like twice because of just like and then saxophone and then credits and it just freeze frames on the sax lady um honestly at this point if, if somebody pops up in a movie with a saxophone i'm already giving it full marks i'm already excited to watch it um this movie is violent as fuck it is deeply gory yeah and the the killer so so basically for some reason, they decide the way to get people to... So, theater's not dead, it's just dying. That could be on the VHS box mm, right there. Theater's not um, dead, it just smells funny. Yeah, yeah. So, like, because no one is going to the theater anymore, this director is, like, a real huckster trying to figure it out. So mm -hmm. he wrote a play based off of a killer who's still on the loose, and then he's surprised when the killer shows up to kill the whole cast. <laughs> In retrospect, I don't think you really thought this one through. It's really good. It's so good. I, um... Okay, so, although, there, there, there are a couple of weird things about it. One, the intro has the synthiest music I have ever had the pleasure of hearing, and it's set to this, like, opening scene with, like, there's dancing and strangling motions, and the entire thing looks like a Jalo version of Flashdance. Yes. Um, and it's amazing. Also, um, I just have, in all caps, saxophone in the notes, so I, I feel like that's important. Um, now, there's another, there's a thing in here. There's a character, I forget his name, but, uh, so there's a thing I've, I've realized in Jalo films and generally just Italian movies um, across the board that I've seen. What is it with Italy and gay dudes? Like, it... You know, I, I have the same question, and I'm really mad for the recent movie Call Me By Your Name because it lied to me. I thought <laughs> Italy was a very LGBT-friendly country and going back and uncovering these movies from the past uh not so much um in jalo films the adr is busted as hell where it's just all the voiceover stuff is is um you know I'm, I'm not even going to impersonate the 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 gay fella in this movie which by the way it's a movie called stage fright so of course they are gay people um it's 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 almost a hundred percent gay people. <laughs> yeah. I choose to believe that everyone in this movie is on the sexual spectrum. Oh yeah, that no owl... one is pure heterosexual in this film. Yeah, that owl's a three on the Kinsey. Like that's everybody in this movie is either gay or plausibly gay. Um, and honestly, that owl, I, uh, I would say, um, that I, I kind of wish that that owl made it into more like horror pantheons when they do like a t-shirt or a, a, a piece of art that's like, here's Leatherface and Ghostface and Freddy, and, like, I feel like the owl rates a mention. Imagine the future, the alternate timeline, where at the Kroger, they have an owl mask that pumps blood when you squeeze a little bulb instead of the um, scream mask. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck. I would, honestly... I immediately started Googling Stage Fright Owl Mask for sale and couldn't find any. So, I don't know. I feel like this is that good um, deep cut sort of uh, horror costume to have to explain over and over, over and over again all night what your costume is from. But it's kind of worth it. Although now I think everyone would just think you're uh, Hotline Miami. Yeah, cosplayer. they would. Yeah, they would think. Yeah, yeah. Especially because if you're wearing that with like a sort of suit. Um, now, there's a, there's a murder in this, which is... The, uh, all right, so there's a murder with a pickaxe, and the sound that they did for the foley of the pickaxe hitting the lady's head, um, I would describe this sound as if you covered your palm in mayonnaise 
and you slapped a bowling ball as hard as possible. Just this sort of wet thwack that... I've honestly been thinking about that sound all day because of how upsetting it was. Like, I was watching this at work and just kind of... Um, because of that pickaxe murder. Like, it's... The way it's executed... I mean, if if Suavi is the puff daddy of Jalo, I feel like this was his um, I'll Be Missing You was this yeah, movie. For sure. This <laughs> like, is his peak. Yeah, yeah. I think it's safe to say. Easy. So... I I need to know who is the the H Bick in this movie? Is it Peter the director or Brett the guy in the unitard that plays the owl? Wait, sorry, what is H Bick? The head bitch in charge. Oh, the head bitch in charge. That is, ooh. I feel like everybody in this movie wants to be the H Bick, but I honestly think Peter probably walks away with that title. He is the most extra. Oh my god, he. This first of all, stage fright is gay culture. <laughs> Second of all, you could easily do a double feature of stage fright with Theater of Blood by Vincent Price. Just... I was gonna ask if that would fit well because I was thinking that's the it's the same movie. <laughs> now here's what it is: it's the same movie, but one of them is demonstrably more fun, and the other one is sort of meaner and grosser. So what you do? For that double feature, first one you do, Theater of Blood. Vincent Price, Shakespeare references, goofy fun, 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. Everybody loves that movie. And then, you know, the people still hanging around after that one for the, for the second movie are going to be the sort of goblins that would actually enjoy Stage Fright by Suave. It's so good. And oh, by man. the way, it's streaming on Shudder, who does sponsor our pod- podcast. Hey, so guys. if you're not um, shuddering, uh, you should... You should get on that. Yeah, you absolutely should, especially because on Shutter they've got this like giant Jalo collection of like I've I, half of the Jalo movies I've seen at this point I saw because I was fucking around on Shutter and just found one, um, and I feel like honestly, um, all right, so we've done proportionately a lot of Jalo films on this podcast. I feel like yes, we are a ostensibly jolly friendly podcast there's always there's always room for jollo i honestly we could we could actually do a a spin-off podcast called there's always room for jollo where we solely talk about jollo films we could i don't know if i have it in me <laughs> i don't know if yeah, we could try i don't know if we have the time but here's the thing all right so quincy uh, this movie. Well, if... once we do our goal, where we rank every movie mm-hmm. in in every cult movie ever made, uh-huh. we'll we'll go into a deeper dive with all of the absolutely. The Abs- it'll it'll be the angel to this current podcast's Buffy. We'll explore some darker yeah. themes. You know, um, it'll be more wildly varying in terms of quality. It'll... But it will also have puppets. In <laughs> yeah, we'll also do an episode where both of us are played by puppets. Oh my god, can we do that? Um, now, all right. So here's here's my question for you: with stage fright, but really Jalo in general, how would you sell stage fright to somebody that had never seen a Jalo film? It's Lasher. Mm-hmm. Like you could just say, "Hey, do you like Friday the Thirteenth? Then watch this shit." Shit. Good point. This is yeah, pretty much. Oh, and actually, now that you pointed out, so if if Jalo is like the Iggy Pop to slasher movies, um, punk rock, I feel like this movie is a perfect synthesis of the two. Where it's like, oh, actually, no, fuck my Iggy Pop metaphor. You know what this movie is like? Um, Jalo is the band Kiss, and they were important for a certain genre of music that then in the 1980s everybody else started ripping off. So then Kiss, um, the band, ran out of ideas and started imitating their imitators. Um, this movie uh, is doing that. Where it's like, it's a Jalo movie pretending to be a slasher. Yeah, because it's got all the Jalo hallmarks, it's got the creative deaths, it's got mm-hmm. the mystery aspect. Black it does turn into like an escape film because there's the whole subplot that the building is locked and the only way they can survive the night is to get out Mm -hmm. you get the killer's arm breaking through a window and strangling a guy to death like a zombie movie (laughs) hell yeah um you get the weird ending where after the mystery is solved you find out that the killer was not dead and gets shot by the the caretaker Mm -hmm. and the whole explanation of the reason why your gun didn't work before is because you're a woman and you forgot to turn the safety off (laughs) 
right like that's... the most patronizing uh, misogynist <laughs> conversation with the final girl <laughs> thanks Jalo. Um, there is a bumbling detective in as in most um jolly so... as there's as there should always be yeah so i mean it's very it, it is very uh liminal it kind of straddles both lines Agree. Well, and and also for for Jalo films, I feel like uh, the ending of the movie is what places it not in slasher territory because a slasher movie would have, uh, I feel like, felt the need to either set it up for a sequel or do a sort of oh no they're not dead yet or whatever. And this movie is just like saxophone, and it. Except this movie does. There is a cut of this movie, I'm sure, that could market it to Americans because. You get the ending where the killer is missing, and then mm-hmm. you get the next scene where the surviving girl goes back to the scene of the crime to find her wristwatch. Okay, if you had survived a grisly night where all of your cast members were castmates were murdered in a theater, would you go back because you dropped your watch? Oh, certainly not. No, no, no. Uh, devil take it. I'm getting the fuck out. I'm, I'm getting away as quickly as possible. What kind of swatch does it have to be to make you go back? <laughs> this better be the best goddamn swatch. Um, I, honestly... What kind of Simpsons Burger King promotional? Are we talking Krusty the Clown? Or are we talking Sideshow Bob? Like, All right, which I need, one would I, you go back for? I need my promotional small soldier's wristwatch that I got out of my Burger King kids meal. <laughs> Um, honestly, I would say the last, like, the entire third act of this movie is a chase scene. And, yeah, I'm not crazy about it. I kind of wanted way less chasing and more catty theater bitches getting cut the fuck up. Like, this is, I wanted, I wanted wildly irresponsible Italian horror set in a theater. And I feel like I mostly got sort of an extended jog? That ends with a saxophone, which every jog should end with. So I'm not knocking that, but I feel like this movie didn't quite deliver on what I wanted, although that might be on my expectations more than anything else. Now, I will give you a counterpoint that after the chase scene, it culminates in maybe the best execution of And All My Friends, the horror trope where the survivor finds every single person killed in the movie mm-hmm. displayed in a tableau. Yeah, just yeah, Frank Frazetta style, just laid out. Yeah, so it's maybe the best version of that in every single uh, thing I've seen. Shit. It's, I, because I like it's, like... it's the whole stage. He fills the stage. And even the owl goes to the point of, like, dabbing feathers in blood to, like, paint makeup style blood on the bodies and like there's the girl that got cut in half and her mm-hmm. legs are on the one half of the stage and her body's oh, on yeah. the other half of the stage see, see you all... said that da- you, you said that the owl just started dabbing and you hadn't i hadn't heard dabbing at something with feathers and just pictured him just like dabbing on stage just surrounded by bodies as the final Which girl is like does because he sits <laughs> down and like drums his fingers to wait for her <laughs> Yeah, he basically just, like, she walks in horrified, sees her friends, and he just dabs at her. Like, yeah, fucking got him. Um, But yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this movie, oh, man, it's just a fucking delight. I really, really love Stage Fright. So, do we want to put it above or below Theater of Blood? Well, now, okay, here's... So, my question. um, If we're going with uh, Death to Blows, I think my favorite death to blow in a movie so far has been the mutilator where the final girl just sees like all of her friends just like yeah like a like a like a shoebox diorama of meat you know what i mean um which is the worst thing i've ever said where the guy just chops that cop up with that (laughs) battle axe because fuck because fuck it all right you know that's just that's what's happening um now, okay, I think theater... I, I, I'm going with Theater of Blood over Stage Fright. Yeah, so I, I would even say Mutilator over Stage Fright mm-hmm. because Mutilator's got that eternal jam oh. fall break theme song. <laughs> the fucking fall break theme, which, by the way, was my voicemail answer uh, tone for, like, months. Um, oh, I, good. I... Okay, okay, all right, here we go. I also don't think it is better than Maniac from 1980. 
I was gonna say um, Maniac. I was gonna say The Beyond is better. Ooh, you know what it is? Um, Maniac from 1980 is a slasher movie that wants to be a giallo, and this is a giallo that wants to be a slasher. Yeah. So would it? Okay. I don't feel in, feel good about putting it above Seating of a Ghost, though. No, me neither. Especially for that fucking bananas uh, third act. Yeah. And and the Beyond has another great. It, the Beyond and Seating of a Ghost stick the landing where Stage Fright um, fails. Yeah, Stage Fright okay. falls in the orchestra pit quite literally. All right, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say something uh, controversial yet brave. Um, I do think that Stage Fright is better than Deep Blue Sea. I think you're right. Because um, at this point, I'm what I'm contrasting right now is uh, how LL Cool J makes me feel with how that owl mask makes me feel. And I feel like... I feel like I'm giving the edge to Stage Fright. Yeah, so so let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Is Don't Torture a Duckling better than Stage Fright? Oh, definitely better. Don't Torture a Duckling fucking rules in a way that... Although, honestly, honest, I, I feel like I've been ragging on Stage Fright. I really, really, really like Stage Fright. It's very um, good. If you have not seen it, you should see it. It's honestly this. If if I were if I were gonna make uh, a gift basket like party sampler of Jalo films for someone who maybe was looking to dip their toes in a food basket, shut up. Um, I would probably. I this would it would be like don't torture a duckling and uh, the beyond and this stage fright. Those are like the three Jalo movies I feel like would give you the best feel for the genre. So, is it safe to put Stage Fright above Black Mirror and Gremlins 2? Uh, I feel like I'm wanting to put it below Gremlins 2, but above Playtest from Black Mirror. Yeah, I think that's a good place. So that makes Stage Fright our new number 93. Hell yeah. I feel really good about that. Yeah, it's such a good movie. Ryan, why don't you tell our listeners uh, who sponsors us? Well, uh, we've got uh, a couple of sponsors. One of them that you're going to want to check out is uh, Horror Retro Caps on Instagram. Uh, you're going to want to use our code, rank, uh, all one word, RankinVile10, uh, to get... I'm sorry, how much off at Horror Retro Caps? Uh... 10% because it's in the code. <laughs> oh, ah, see, that's how you know. It's sneaky. So, um, um, just, he takes orders through DM, so you just DM him what he wants, what you want, and just say, we sent you, and give him that code. Uh, they have a Warduke hat, so if you're a D&D nerd like me, you are a big Warduke nutswinger <laughs> because he only has half chainmail and half barbarian. Hell yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So definitely get that. We're also good. brought to you by Scary Basement Media. Uh, they have a really good collection of enamel pins right now that are the Universal Monsters, but with kind of a new twist, kind of a new design. Uh, they've got a really good um, Creature from the Black Lagoon t-shirt out right now. Oh yeah. And we're going to try to put our bit.ly in the show notes. So you can just click on that in your podcast app and take you directly there. And um, if you see something cool, get it. Uh, treat yourself. And that also helps the show out a little bit. Hell yeah. Um, so Rank and Vile, we can be found uh, on... Holy shit, so many places. You really just would not believe it. We're on Tumblr at Just Rank and Vile. We are on uh, Twitter, which is, I, I would say, primarily where we post stuff uh, at uh, Rank and Vile Cast. Um, we are also on Instagram, which is maintained and run entirely by Quincy, who does the Lord's work, at also Just Rank and Vile. Good news. I set it up as a business profile now, so I actually get mm. analytics. Um, I can't figure out how to change the category to podcast, so if anyone knows that, please send us an email at RankinVileCast, because See, the thing is, I cannot figure it out, and they will not tell me how to do it. 
See, we're not exactly oldsters yet. Like, we can kind of use the internet, but I feel like we're in, like, weird uncle territory where we're, like, oh, kind, for sure. kind of savvy with internet stuff, but also we kind of forget where we are half the time, and we really like black licorice. Um, if you so have... if you have advice about Instagram <laughs> uh, maintenance or if you want to um, sponsor the show or if you want to... If you're a filmmaker or a creator and you want us to review your zine or your movie or your enamel pin collection, shoot us an email, rankinvilecast at gmail.com. If you have a request, we have an ask box on Tumblr. Go to rankinvile.tumblr.com and you want to shoot that request in the ask box. Don't use the DM on Tumblr because I don't know how that works either because I am an old <laughs> because 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 weird uncles this is yeah this is what we do now um, so yeah so definitely if you have any requests yeah rank and at gmail I think is also I feel like the best place or here's the thing yell at me on Twitter and I'll probably be like mm, okay and then we'll talk about fucking house two the second story which by the way I think is probably the best sequel title of all time. Um, if uh, you are into weird lists and maybe you're looking to find something new, we do have a letterbox uh, at Rank and Vile. Um, we are also just on a shitload of places. We're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, we're on uh, Last.fm. I kind of want to set up a SoundCloud, but also the problem is that if I make a SoundCloud, I'm going to have to start making posts. Anytime I get a big post that blows up on Twitter, I'm going to have to be like, check out my SoundCloud. And it looks like garbage to me. I, I don't trust it. I have been waiting every day for us to get that viral hit so I can promo this podcast, Ryan. <laughs> we must set up a SoundCloud. It's yeah, purely for a SoundCloud, but also it's just going to be like uh, odds and ends like me going on giant rants about um, Dario, Dario, Dario Argento's uh, camera work. Oh. One more place. We're also on YouTube. We have a playlist of what I believe is every rap tie-in to a horror movie. Mm. If you look at our playlist and you know something we have not gone to, please email it to us. That is a work in progress. Uh, so if you just search Rank and Vile um, on Twitter, you'll find our playlists. I think that's all I got. You got anything else? Have a good week, y'all. Later, folks.